I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren of the Rad Adventures Network, and welcome to the first episode of Continental Comics. In this series, we're using the word continental as many people would use it when talking about a continental breakfast, which means we're generally talking about comics from the European continent. Many of the comics we hope to cover are from France and Belgium, where comics are much more mainstream than here in the U.S. We love comics as a medium, and we enjoy a good superhero comic, but we're much bigger fans of genres like science fiction, fantasy, and gothic horror. We love good adventure stories filled with quests and action and mystery and suspense, and European comics are more likely to focus on those types of stories that we really enjoy. So it's an entirely different world of comic stories than you might be used to reading. Comics in Europe aren't generally printed in monthly issues like in the U.S., but instead are printed in what are called comic albums. These albums are similar to what we call a graphic novel in the U.S., but they're generally printed in a larger format than here in the U.S., which really shows off the art. These comic albums usually range from about 50 to 75 pages long, and running series might publish one or two comic albums each year. The origins of modern European comics predate U.S. comics and are generally considered to date back to the 19th century. However, examples of illustrations, including text bubbles similar to modern comics, have actually been found in Greece dating back to the 2nd century. In the past, it was difficult to find European comics outside of Europe, and especially not in the U.S. The expense of translating these comics and then printing them and shipping them just didn't justify the modest sales of these books in the U.S., where Marvel and DC dominate the marketplace with their many titles. The only titles that really came over the U.S. were hugely popular series like The Adventures of Tintin and Asterix. However, the explosion of digital comics through apps like Comixology and through the Amazon Kindle has made it much more economical for European publishers to translate their comics into English and distribute them digitally in the U.S. without the cost of printing and shipping. Several major European comic publishers have started distributing their titles this way, including Soleil, Cinebook, Casterman, Europe Comics, and more. And that has made it very easy to collect and read many of these awesome adventures. In this series, we hope to cover some of our favorite European comics, including Echo the Mirror World, Valerian and Laureline, Thorgal, Quest for the Timebird, Marie of the Dragons, Morea, Angor, Black Sad, Sangre, The Adventures of Blake and Mortimer, and hopefully a few more. But for our first episode, we must talk about the first European comic that we both read, which is one of the first European comics that ever came to the U.S. and managed to sell well enough to continue to be published here, and that is the hugely popular series The Adventures of Tintin by Hergé. We know other fans like Brian Mulvey, Professor Allen, Philip Schweier, Kamutha Lane, and our friend Nick, who lives in Belgium in the land of Tintin, will approve of our choice. And we hope you'll join us for that conversation right after this promo for another podcast that you might enjoy. This is an imaginary podcast, which may never have happened. The Shortbox Showcase. But then again may have. About a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Identity Crisis. Lone Wolf and Cub. Hergé's Tintin. White Tiger. It tells of their rise to glory, when the great guests were yet to be booked. I didn't know this was going to be the Jimmy Olsen hate podcast. <laughs> it's always the Jimmy Olsen hate podcast. And the great feats of editing, not yet performed. Ultraman, this is Ultra 7, this is Ultraman Jack, and this is Ultraman Taro, and this is Ultraman Leo. And this is Ultraman... Of how they spoke at length. When I read a comic, story comes first and art comes second. 
Continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. Those are our people, Emily. And reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Superman has basically the same relationship with Wonder Woman that he has with Batman. Of brilliant creators before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative and artistic powers. And the ability of strong writing to encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an imaginary podcast. Aren't they all? Shortbox Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search in iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Shortbox Showcase. And remember, we're not experts. We're just family. The Adventures of 1010 is a hugely popular series known around the world. Well, except maybe here in the U.S., where it sells just well enough to stay in print so that you can find it in bookstores and online, if you know to look for it. But it isn't known by mainstream audiences here, which is sad, because it's a great series. The Adventures of 1010 was created, written, and illustrated by Hergé in Belgium from 1929 to 1976. During those years, Hergé produced 23 1010 comic albums, and he was working on a new 24th album when he passed away in 1983, leaving that book unfinished. The series, which has sold more than 200 million books in 70 different languages, follows the young journalist Tintin on his many adventures around the globe. The Tintin stories span many different types of genres, including mystery, science fiction, fantasy, and political intrigue. And there is always plenty of humor. Tintin is always accompanied by his cute and helpful dog named Snowy, who is a snow-white terrier. Tintin is helped in his adventures by many friends, including the fiercely loyal, but somewhat gruff, Captain Haddock, who accompanies him on many of his journeys. Intelligent scientist Professor Calculus, who is an inventor and is also hard of hearing, is another friend and frequent companion. Opera singer Bianca Castafiore gets involved occasionally. She has a bit of a crush on Captain Haddock, but he can't tolerate her singing. And there's the lovable but bungling police detectives Thompson and Thompson, who look alike but aren't related. One spells Thompson with a silent P in the middle, while the other does not. And in a bit of trivia, the popular 1980s music group, the Thompson Twins, is named for these fun characters. Of course, the names of these characters vary depending on the language. We've shared the names used in the English translations, but some of those names differ from the original, and other variations are used in other languages. Hergé's art style was so well-loved that it became a standard for comics for decades. Known as the clear line style, it features cartoonish but expressive characters, along with clear, realistic backgrounds, and it uses bright and bold colors. The first two 1010 comic albums are not held in high regard the way the remainder of the series is. 1010 in the Land of the Soviets and 1010 in the Congo are generally considered not well-researched, and Hergé's art style is still being refined in these books, and the portrayal of some characters is sadly very stereotypical. The first two stories were not Hergé's idea, but instead were political propaganda stories that were dictated to him by his publisher. Because of this, those first two books are no longer considered part of the 1010 canon, and are not usually included in box sets featuring the other books in the series. Hergé apologized for these early books in the years after their publication, and he devoted himself to extensive research for his future books to make them more accurate while still being entertaining. In the third book, 1010 in America, Hergé was finally able to tell a story that he wanted to tell. It was a huge success and was followed by many other adventures that took Tintin to the UK, 
Egypt, Tibet, India, China, and even the moon. We aren't going to cover all of the Tintin books in this episode because there are so many great ones, but we do want to mention a few of our favorites. In The Blue Lotus, Tintin follows a mysterious lead to China, where he investigates a smuggling ring. In The Black Island, Tintin investigates a plane crash, which leads him to a remote island in Scotland that may be inhabited by a monster. A can of crab meat turns out to be a small clue to a big mystery that leads Tintin to an exotic desert city in The Crab with the Golden Claws. Tintin buys a model ship at a street market in The Secret of the Unicorn, only to discover that the model is a clue to finding a pirate treasure. Tintin and Captain Haddock set sail to find the treasure of a notorious pirate in Red Rackham's treasure. Tintin tries to figure out what's causing a group of explorers who returned from an expedition to the Andes to fall into comas in the Seven Crystal Balls. And Tintin in Tibet is probably my favorite of the books. In it, Tintin learns about a plane crash in the Himalayas and that his friend was on board. So he and Captain Haddock travel to the crash site in the hopes of a rescue. Hergé and Tintin are so popular that there is a large museum devoted to the artist and his creation in Belgium. It's in the city of Louvain-la-Neuve and is a short train ride from the capital of Brussels. The Hergé Museum consists of several floors showcasing stunning original art, as well as displays of toys and games that have been sold around the world. You can even eat in a Tintin-themed cafe in the museum and pick up lots of great Tintin items like shirts, figures, books, and games in the museum shop. And if you can't visit the museum, you can pick up a beautiful book called Tintin, The Art of Hergé that features tons of pictures from the museum. It's an amazing book. There are official Tintin shops around the world, including not only Belgium, but also the UK, Australia, Singapore, Japan, and the US. As well as Germany, where my friends Austin and Paul took me when I met them in Germany when I was traveling through the area on a business trip. And there's a wonderful Tintin shop in Nottingham, England called Joe's Shop that we've been lucky to visit in the past. Being fans of Robin Hood, we were walking to Nottingham Castle to visit the museum there, and were delighted to walk past Joe's shop just a few blocks from the castle, and we had a wonderful time chatting with the owner and picked up a couple of great Tintin t-shirts. And if you can't visit one of those shops, you can visit Tintin.com, where you'll find the latest Tintin news, as well as a link to the official online shop where you can purchase tons of great items. In addition to the original books, The Adventures of Tintin has been adapted into many other media, including movies, television, and radio. There's an excellent three-season French-Canadian TV series from the early 1990s that adapts each of the main 21 comic albums into two-part episodes. The art style in the series is very faithful to Hergé's original art, and fans who have read the books will recognize many panels that are taken directly from the comics. BBC Radio adapted several of the stories into well-regarded audio episodes in the 1990s. We haven't found these available on CD or on sites like Audible, but they are available to listen to on YouTube. We think these adaptations are particularly neat because Leo McKern, who stars in Rumpel the Bailey, which is one of our favorite mystery, plays Captain Haddock in the first season of the episodes. Directors Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson are both fans of Tintin, and the two collaborated on the big-budget 2011 CGI film The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn. Peter Jackson produced the film with Steven Spielberg directing. Spielberg has said that Tintin is one of the inspirations he used when directing the Indiana Jones movies. The film adapts elements from three of the Tintin books, including The Crab and the Golden Claws, The Secret of the Unicorn, and Red Rackham's Treasure. The film was a big hit in most of the world, though not surprisingly, it was only moderately successful in the U.S. 
Spielberg and Jackson still plan to collaborate on two additional 1010 films, adapting several other stories that they love. Steven Spielberg specifically mentioned those plans during interviews in 2019, which was the 90th anniversary of the first 1010 book. We would love to see two more movies, so we really hope they move forward with those plans soon. And I think that brings us to the end of our discussion about the adventures of 1010. If you're interested in the character, we eagerly recommend checking out the comic albums or the 1990s TV series. And we definitely encourage everyone to watch the 2011 film from Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson. If you enjoy good adventure stories, we think you'll love The Adventures of Tintin. And if you're already a fan, let us know on social media what you like about the character and what your favorite Tintin books are. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be right back with our wrap-up after this promo from another podcast that you might enjoy. It's midnight, the podcasting hour. From fetid swamps to creepy castles, the podcasting hour is your home for horror on the Fire and Water Network. Join me, PJ Frightful, on this quarterly anthology podcast that gazes into the mysterious and terrifying shadows of DC Comics. The moon is full and the bell tolls for midnight, the podcasting hour. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. You can contact us directly at radadventuresnetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Rad Adventures Network. That's Rad, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. You can listen to the show through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts and at podbean.com. You can even find the show on YouTube under Rad Adventures Network. And you can always visit radadventuresnetwork.com where you'll find all of the episodes of all of our podcasts, including Trek or Talk about 23rd Century Bounty Hunter Mercy St. Clair by Ron Randall, Warlord Worlds about the comic creations of Mike Grell, including the Warlord, John Sable, and Green Arrow, and Xenozoic Xenophiles about the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs series Xenozoic Tales by Mark Schultz. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. While you won't find a specific place to review Continental Comics, we hope you will leave a review under Rad Adventures Network. Every review helps the podcast be more likely to show up in search results. And on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe to the channel and give us some likes on the videos. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll come back next time for another new episode of Continental Comics. Rad Adventures Network is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. For more information, please visit comicspodcast.com. The theme music is See Me Now from royalty-free music instrumentals for TV and radio productions. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended.